May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Hey everyone, I'm Joe Grapes. I'm one of the pastors here at Central City Church and I'm excited to have you join us for our daily readings. It's Monday, March 30th, and our daily reading is Mark 10, 32 to 45. And our uh, reading and our reflection is coming today from Jeremy Gott. Jeremy's a part of our community and serves actually on our board. And uh, um, we're uh, excited to have his uh, thoughts as he shares a little bit about this passage. Um, before we get to that, just want to remind you, I hope you had a good time joining us online. Uh, we're still uh, trying to build each week, um, figure out what this worship and what the community looks like. And so if you have thoughts, feedback, uh, encouragement, um, whatever you have that you want to throw out, uh, please reach out. We'd love to hear it. Um, uh, this is... Uh, uh, it's not easy, you know, it's not easy trying to figure out how to do church um, the way that we're doing it. And uh, so if God's given you some sort of insight, uh, don't hold back. Uh, let me know. Uh, also, love for you to sign up for our prayer vigil this week. Go to centralcity.co slash prayer. And um, if you're interested in uh, uh, connecting with, supporting, encouraging uh, seniors, uh, we're working with a, uh, a senior living center um, on the west side in Hilltop, um, and they've asked uh, for people to write cards, draw pictures, uh, kids could draw pictures, as well as do a number of other things. If you're interested in that, um, you can reach out to me. I'll get you connected with Ben Rule, who's uh, kind of taken a lead on that. Uh, but uh, just email me, joe at centralcity.co, and I'll, I'll, I'll get you connected with the people you need to get connected so you can do uh, and be a part of that. So uh, love to share that information with you. Uh, now, here is our daily reading. through 45. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking on ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were fearful. And again he took the twelve aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, they will hand him over to the Gentiles, they will mock him, and spit on him, and scourge him, and kill him, and three days later he will rise again. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant that we may sit, one on your right and one on your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, cup that I drink, you shall drink, and you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right hand or on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. 
But it is not this way among you. For whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. Slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Throughout the Gospel accounts, Jesus regularly makes statements that would have been shocking to the ears of those listening, and takes actions that would have been downright scandalous. This is especially pronounced in Mark's Gospel, which is the shortest of the four accounts, and packs a lot of punch in just a few words. I tried an ex exercise once that highlighted this. I tried to read through Mark's Gospel from the perspective of a first-century, God-fearing Jew, and to do so as much as possible as if I were hearing it for the first time, and did not know how it would turn out in the end. At every point Jesus made a shocking statement or did a scandalous action, I put an exclamation point. It was truly an eye-opening ex exercise. It seemed like about every other sentence, Jesus is saying something or doing something that would have questioned my, one of my core assumptions. At some points, he manages to do so multiple times in the very same sentence of the text. As a first-century God-fearing Jew, I know that wealth is a sign of God's approval and blessing on a person. And here's Jesus telling a wealthy, honorable young community leader that his riches are actually a hindrance and a dire danger to him in his pursuit of the kingdom of God. Exclamation point. And I disregard children as of little value. And here he is holding up some dirty-faced kid as a model for approaching God. Exclamation point. I value family above all else, save God. And Jesus is talking about leaving father and mother to follow him. I avoid people with diseases and women of questionable repute. And here is Jesus healing them, valuing them, and showing them worth, worth and respect. I honor the Sabbath rest as one of the Ten Commandments, and Jesus keeps right on working on that day by healing a man. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. So, when we enter into the story at Mark 10.32, and see that his followers were described as amazed and fearful as they walked along the road to Jerusalem, it's easy to understand why. As fodder for them to ruminate on on their journey, he had left them with statements like, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter into it at all. And it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And many who are first will be last, and the last first. Of course I'm amazed and afraid. This guy is calling all my core assumptions into question and turning them on their head. But as it turns out, Jesus was only getting started. He took his core group of twelve disciples aside and told them that he... The promised king, the Messiah, the one who would lead them out of all their troubles and make everything all right, that he would be mistreated and killed as a common criminal. You can almost palpably feel their shock and revulsion as he tells them, We're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to the chief priests and scribes! Exclamation point. And they will condemn him to death! Exclamation point. And will deliver him to the Gentiles! Exclamation point. And they will mock him and spit upon him and scourge him! Exclamation point. And kill him! multiple exclamation points, and three days later he will rise again, of course, exclamation point. If they were amazed and afraid before, I can only imagine that they were quickly approaching the awestruck and terrified level. And then enter James and John, two brothers, two of the very innermost core of Jesus' closest twelve. I don't know if they just brushed off his words, or if they were so overwhelmed by it, it that the hard truths were just too much for them, and they couldn't even register it. Perhaps harking back to some of, the word, some of his words before they started their hike to Jerusalem about those who follow him receiving a hundredfold of anything they give up to follow him, they decided to ask Jesus for pride of place. 
you know it's going to be good when the first thing out of their mouths is, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Nice, guys. And in the Matthew account of this same incident, we see that they actually let their mom broach the subject. Way to go. You'd think maybe they'd clue in when Jesus asked them what it is that they want him to do for them. I can imagine him doing so with an arched eyebrow. But no, they blithely plow forward. We want the best seats in the house when you're ruling everything. We want to be the second in command. We want to be honored. We want to have privilege. We want to be above these other folks. Now, don't worry, Jesus. We understand that you'll be the king. But we're just asking for a sweet vice regency or two. How about it? And Jesus responds, You just don't get it, guys. The way that I'm headed is no rose-strewn path. The way that I'm headed is guaranteed suffering and mistreatment and pain and tears. And if you're following me, it's the same path for you. And if they'd gotten it, this would definitely be exclamation point. Then the others came back, heard what James and John had asked for, and were pissed off at them. Ironically, not likely because the two brothers were bothering Jesus with selfish requests when he was on the verge of dying as a criminal, but rather upset that the brothers had beat them to the punch with the ask. In response to this, Jesus huddles them up and leaves them with one final barrage of exclamation points. Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. Yep, Jesus, that's the way of the world. That's pretty much how it works, how the game is played. But it is not so among you. What? Really? Whoever wishes to be great among you shall become your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. Exclamation point. Um, Jesus, now you're just being silly. Clearly the first and greatest are the best positions, and the servant and slave are the worst. But he continues, For even the Son of Man, even the Messiah, the King, did not come to be served, but to serve. Exclamation point. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Plus a hundred exclamation points. Today, let's reflect on Jesus as the first and ultimate servant leader. The one who has every right to demand, to be served, to be honored. He gives up all of that willingly to serve and sacrifice himself for others, even to the point of his own life. It's poignantly put in the book of Philippians. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What do you most appreciate about Jesus' servant leadership? How have you benefited from that? Where have you seen good examples of servant leadership in people around you? How's your servant leader heart check? Are you able to serve others out of a genuine love and humility because of how Jesus has served you? Or is that a challenge right now? Thank you, Jesus, that you came to us right where we live, that you served us humbly even to the point of giving your life for us. Ingrain that into our hearts. Remind us of that. Craft it into the platform from which we live our lives. Help us to have similar hearts of love and humility and to serve others around us with joy. Amen. Friends, thanks for joining us for our daily reading. You can find the readings and more by going to centralcity.co slash readings. Now, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.